Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our fourth session of the second round of seminars on Rumi. Under the title Philosophical Doctrines and Spiritual Teachings of Rumi. And Rumi himself, in his fourth book, this is our fourth session, in the fourth book, he is addressing his student Ziaul Haq, which means the light of God, or Hisam al-Din, which also means the sword of God, or the sword of religion. So he is addressing him and asking him, because he is the source of inspiration for Rumi. And he says, in this fourth book, shed light from the fourth sphere on this fourth book. Uh, and uh, anyone who says that this is an idle tale, because there were people who said that Masnavi is nothing but some idle tales. And Rumi says, anyone who says that they are idle tales, he is an idle man. Yes, he is an idle tale himself. Yes. So, I want to start by a poem. Uh, from Masnavi, Bar Digar Amadam Divanivar. Again, I have come frenzied and mad. Bar Digar Amadam Divanivar, Roro Ejan Zud Zanjiribia. Hurry up, go and fetch me some chains because I am mad and frenzied. And then in the second line, he says, Qayra an Zanjir Zulfi Dilbaram. Except the chain of the locks and tresses of my beloved. Whatever chain you bring, I break it to pieces. And then he adds, Every month, and the beginning of every month, for three days, I become mad. Because they believed in the past that uh, men also had their own periods. Mm. And it was three days, uh, every beginning of the month, uh, they became mad for three days. <laughs> and then Rumi says, uh, usually other men have only three days for being mad, but every moment for me is the beginning of the month. Because a person who is in love with the moon-faced beauty, every moment of his life, it is not only three days a month, it's all days and all moments, mm -hmm. he is frenzied. And this is the frenzy of love and uh, the wine that Rumi drank from the vat of Shamsi Tabrizi and uh, was never sober again. He himself, in one of his sonnets, says, Sagiya chun mastakhishi khishra barman bezen. Sagi, the cupbearer, uh, is Shams Tabrizi, his master, because he was the one who brought uh, the wine and passed it round and gave it first to Rumi, and through Rumi, it was offered to other people. So, Sagiya chun mastakhishi khishra barman bezen. 
ذکر فردا نسیه باشد نسیه را گردن بزن and just serve it just now don't say tomorrow because tomorrow is credit and cut off the head of credit bring cash so our cash today from Rumi is uh, mostly his spiritual teachings this uh, had some uh, brief references to his philosophy to his underlying uh, philosophical doctrines and now today and our, in our last session we are going to pay more attention to his uh, spiritual teachings but before that I want to start this session with uh, a piece from the last book of Masnavi in which Rumi is referring to one of the most important things in his own life and in which is a key to Masnavi as well that he although he is using a variety of different names and different ideas but he is telling just one idea and he is just repeating one name although he may use thousands of names now would you please uh, read this uh, yes indeed Zolecha applied to Joseph the name of everything from rue seed to aloes wood you know the story of Zolecha and uh, Joseph is one of the ardent love stories in Persian literature and uh, actually is has been praised as the most uh, I mean the closest symbol to divine love and uh, Joseph has often been a symbol of God himself and Zuleikha who is the lover the woman is a symbol of a lover which is man mm. so mm, he is uh, this is in the story of the three princes it's the, the last story of Masnavi after that Rumi dies and uh, actually this story doesn't come to an end uh, but uh, this is the story of the three princes who went to China to marry the princess of China China's king uh, now in the midst of this story Rumi is referring to the story of Zuleikha and Joseph mm-hmm. she concealed his name in all other names and made the inner meaning thereof known to none but her confidence when she said the wax is softened by the fire this meant my beloved is very fond of me see it is the same with Masnavi those who are not confident uh, they are not initiated confident uh, uh, yes confident yes uh, confident uh, and are not initiated so Rumi um, does not speak to them he is using different names and he may take them literally and when he says book he means book 
and when he says trees, it means trees. Yes. But now he says that when I say tree, it means something else. <laughs> when I say mums, چون بگفتیم mums آتش نرم شد, این بودی کانیار با ما گرم شد. When wax is softened by the fire, it means my beloved is very fond of me today, and he has become a little bit not too harsh today, uh-huh. more lenient. Yes. Soft. Oh. Yes. And if she said, look, the moon has risen, or if she said, the willow bough is green with new leaves, or if she said, the leaves are quivering mightily, or if she said, the rue seed is burning merrily, or if she said, the rose has told her secret to the nightingale, or if she said, the king has disclosed his passion for Shahnaz. It is not Shahnaz, actually, it is Shahbaz. Which oh. is a bird. Oh, the, yes, the false. Said the Shah Shahbaz Guft means uh, the secret of the king is uh, given to Shahbaz, which is a special uh, mean, a, a royal falcon. Yes, yes, the royal bird, mm-hmm. and uh, that bird knows the secrets of the mm-hmm. king. That's right. So Shahbaz or Baz falcon is a symbol of prophets mm-hmm. who know the secret of the king. Yes. So. Although he is just giving examples of how he says something and means something else, but at the same time he is just describing different um, secrets of love. That's right. That uh, the secret is given to Shahbaz. Mm. And, um, for example, the king has disclosed the passion for Shahbaz, yes. Uh Or if she said, how auspicious is fortune. Or if she said... Give the furniture a good dusting. Or if she said, the water carrier has brought the water. Or if she said, the sun is risen. Or if she said, last night they cooked up pot full of food. Or the vegetables are cooked to perfection. Or if she said, the leaves have no salt or savor. Or if she said, the loaves have no savor. Or if she said, the heavenly sphere is going round in the contrary direction. Or if she said, my head aches. Or if she said, my headache is better. If she praised, twas his, Joseph's caresses that she meant. And if she blamed, twas separation from him that she meant. If she piled up a hundred thousand names, her meaning and intention was always Joseph. Was she hungry? As soon as she spoke his name, she would be filled with spiritual food and intoxicated by his cup. Her thirst would be quenched by his name. The name of Joseph was a sherbet to her soul. And if she were in pain, her pain would immediately be turned into profit by that exalted name. In cold weather, it was a fur to her. This this is what the beloved's name can do when one is in love. Inconat badust namedust in. That is the power of the name of the friend. I'm reminded of a poem by Thomas Carew, the English, I think, 17th century poet. He says that if you ask me to show you the most beautiful thing or the whitest thing, I would be ashamed to show you the for example, a snow, or if you want to ask me to, to play the best music or to show you the best music, I would be ashamed to uh, name uh, the 
liar of Orpheus, for example, and if you ask me to show you the most beautiful such and such, but if you ask me to give you all of them together, I would say just utter the name of my beloved yeah. and that's all, everything. So that is the name and which runs through Masnavi. You see, you have behind every line, mm. this is the name of Joseph, which is to be read between the lines. Because a lover uh, doesn't know anything but his beloved. I'm reminded of Shakespeare that he says, uh, a lover is uh, skittish and inconstant in everything except or saving to the constant image of the creature that is beloved. So a lover is constantly thinking about the beloved and has only one job. A lover has only one job. That is why for Rumi, things are not divided into spiritual and secular. For example, this is a secular action, that is a spiritual. He says, no, when you are a lover, whatever you do is a spiritual. Whether you are eating, whether you are speaking, whether you are enjoying yourself, whether you are having your passion, your lust, everything is, for lover, is spiritual. Because it is, uh, because of the uh, alchemy of love has transmuted it. So, dunya hamigi ogbas, even the world, which is, uh, which is uh, criticized by all uh, religious uh, leaders that don't go to, towards worldly affairs and worldly attachments. Rumi says, Dunya hamigi uqbas andar nazar arif. This world is the next world for the Sufi, for the lover. Dunya chu uqbasho, dunya mubarak bat. When this world has turned into next world for you, then this world is blessing for you. Mm. Enjoy yourself. This world is the hereafter. Yes, <laughs> this world is the hereafter, yes. Um, yeah, uh, so. Yes, yeah. the, the second passage is, uh, a com is some critical views expressed during the time of Rumi against Masnavi. And uh, Rumi is comparing himself to the Quran. You know that Masnavi has been called the Persian Quran. And by a very great uh, theological, I mean, theologist, mm -hmm. as well as a poet and Sufi, Sheikh Baha'i, as well as a scientist, one of the greatest scientists yes. of the time. Uh -huh. And um, so he says that Masnavi, Ma'navi, Mulavi, which I have written here, Masnavi, Ma'navi, Mulavi, has Qur'ani belapse pahlavi. Means uh, the rhyming couplets, the spiritual rhyming couplets of Mulavi is a Persian Qur'an. Mm. is a Qur'an in the language of uh, pahlavi, which yes. means Persian. Yes. Right. So, uh, Rumi himself, before Sheikh Baha'i, has compared his book to the Qur'an. Of mm. course, uh, not to claim that he, has, he is a prophet, but to say that mm, he is uh, doing the same job. Yes. Yes. Now, account of... Uh, account of the conception of evil fancies by those deficient in understanding. Ere this tale reaches the conclusion, 
there comes from the envious a vapor of stench. I am not pained by it, but this kick may break the nerve of a simple-hearted man's mind. It's because Rumi repeatedly refers to this fact that a lover, a true Sufi, never gets hurt, never gets annoyed. Because if you are annoyed, you are selfish. You are thinking about yourself. So he is not annoyed by the critical views, mm. but he just wants to explain for other people uh, to give them enlightenment. Yes. Well did the sage of Ghazna set forth the following spiritual parable for the sake of those who are veiled from perception of the truth, saying that if one see in the Qur'an naught but words, this is not surprising on the part of them that have lost the right way, since the eye of the blind is sensible of naught but heat from the beams of the luminous sun. Suddenly a great booby popped his head out of an ass stable like a railing woman, saying that this discourse, namely the Masnavi, is low, that it is the story of the prophet and consists of imitation. The intellectuals of the time who were against their religion in general so they, they criticized Masnavi as being just uh, an explanation about the Prophet and if some um, commentary on the Quran and nothing import of much importance. <laughs> that there is no mention of theosophical investigation and the sublime mysteries towards which the saints make their steeds gallop. No Harvard thesis in that. No Harvard thesis <laughs> yes. in this one. <laughs> yes. No Oxbridgean dissertations. Yes. <laughs> that from the stations of asceticism to the passing away from self-existence, step by step to union with God. Yes. I mean, the, the critic means that why is it that you have not uh, classified your subjects into different uh, parts and sections and books and say, well, this is the first stage of love and this is the second and this is the third. How is it it's all in confusion? Mm. <laughs> it contains not the explanation and definition of every station and stage, so that by means of the wings thereof, a man of heart, a mystic, should soar. When the book of God, the Quran, came down, the unbelievers railed likewise at it, saying, it is mere legends and paltry tales. There's no profound inquiry and lofty speculation. Qalu asatirul avvalin said that's some ancient legends and stories about the Quran. It's even mentioned in the Quran itself that uh, when revelation came down, they said it is nothing but uh, asatirul avvalin in the stories from the past. Mm -hmm. Mythology. Mythology, yes. Yeah. The little children understand it. It is not but things approved and disapproved. The account of Joseph, the account of his curly locks, the account of Jacob and Zulekha and her passion. It is plain and everyone finds the way to its meaning. Where, where is the exposition in which the intellect becomes lost? God said, if this seems easy to thee, say... Compose one surah in the style that is so easy as this yes. one. Because they said, mm. And then 
he answers, yes, it is very easy. Now you can just bring one single chapter like to it. Uh, you know, the chapters of the Quran, some of them are no more than two lines. So it is easy if you cannot even imitate the whole book. He is proposing that you can just follow just uh, one small chapter. <laughs> it is again mentioned in the Quran. Bring just one chapter like it. If you are uh, true in your claims. Right? Let the jinn and mankind and the skilled among you produce a single verse of this easy style. Yes, you know, in the Quran, the verse says that even if you can call other beings, other creatures like jinn, like uh, the fairies, but whoever you like, you can uh, have a congr congress and then decide and sit together and just uh, write one single chapter like Quran. And it is, it is really a fact that all through these centuries, uh, since the time of the Quran, no one has claimed, no one has himself even claimed, mm -hmm. that he has created something as beautiful as the Quran. No. And then there's that uh, of the seven verses, wasn't it, where each of the great poets of the time... Yes, they actually there were seven odes. Most beautiful, even now it is part of the most masterpieces of world literature. Mm. But you know, when Quran was revealed, they just uh, plucked it out. Mm. I mean, it was hanging in the Kaaba mm. in, the, in Mecca. Mm. Then they brought it down and mm. said they were ashamed of their poetry mm. as compared to the Quran. Mm. It is so fascinating, so full of music, mm. so full of ecstasy and joy when you read it in the Arabic, of course. Mm. Commentary on the tradition of Mustafa Muhammad, on yes. whom be peace, that the Quran hath an exterior sense and an interior sense, and that its interior sense hath an interior sense, and so on. And so seven on, unto seven, senses. or even unto seventeen, uh, seventy yes. uh, interior meanings. Yes. Know that the words of the Quran have an exterior sense, and under the exterior sense, an interior sense exceedingly overpowering and beneath that inward sense a third interior sense wherein all intellects become lost the fourth interior sense of the Quran none hath perceived at all except God the peerless and incomparable in the Quran do not thou O son regard only the exterior the devil regards Adam as naught but clay the exterior sense of the Quran is like a man's person, for his features are visible, while his spirit is hidden. A man's paternal and maternal uncles may see him for a hundred years, and of his inward state not see so much as the tip of a hair. Commentary on the verse yes, Oh, you know, Rumi emphasizes several times, mm. repeatedly, that people really do not understand the Quran. They don't know the Quran. Their knowledge is very superficial. Uh, he actually, in Fihamafi, in his discourses, he says that somebody was asked whether you know such and such person or not. 
He said, yes, I do know him. He had, uh, his father had two cows, one black and one white. And Rumi ridicules him that what, is, what sort of knowledge you have? This, you know this person, and just because uh, his father had two, two cows, and this is the knowledge most people have from each other. Who is this person? He is the, the one whose house is there and there, and who just has such and such job and has studied in Harvard, or uh, they don't know him really. See, the knowledge is very superficial. So, when it comes to the inner meaning, so they get lost, because they know only the surface. So for them, the Quran is just the words. If you write these, for example, Alif Lam, Mim, Dalit, al then it is the Quran. If you say it in a different language, they say, what is that? It is just all infidelity. <laughs> it is no good. <laughs> I actually once was uh, reciting, I mean, was uh, reading a poem by Shakespeare and said uh, that just one of, a person said, is that, has it come in the Quran? Mm -hmm. I said, yes, it has come in the Quran, but it is from Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, it was a very beautiful passage that uh, this is the state of man. Today, it puts forth the tender leaves of hope. Tomorrow, he blossoms and bears his uh, blushing honors kicked upon himself. And then the third day comes a frost. And as the good easy man thinks that his uh, honors is safe and good, then suddenly the frost comes and nips him in the bark. <laughs> so it is very similar to one of the verses in the Quran that uh, all the, what people set their hearts upon uh, is, gets uh, lost in the, finally and turns to ashes. So Rumi says that, uh, how is it, uh, he is mentioning in his discourses that such and such person, he gives the name of a great, uh, famous uh, uh, singer of the Quran, Qari, the Quran Qari. Qari is a person who recites the, recites the Quran, a reciter, a famous reciter. And he says that he doesn't know anything about the Quran. And somebody said, how, how do you say that? He knows much about the Quran. Rumi says, how, I know he doesn't know, because if the Quran is told to him in another language, he doesn't recognize him. So if you know a person, if he changes his clothes, you know him. You can say, well, I couldn't recognize you because the other time you had a blue suit and now... See, that is what people do about books and about religion, about everything. The same fact from their own religion, they respect it, and then the same fact when it comes from another religion, and they know the, that it is attributed to something else, they reject it. Because they, they don't recognize the meaning. Yes. They are acquainted with the form and the surface. Yeah, yeah. not against the content. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a commentary on the verse, O thou that wrappest thyself. Uh, yes. Yes, you know, this wrapped thyself is the beginning of uh, one of the chapters, one of the very early chapters. Actually, some say that it was the second chapter revealed to Muhammad. Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, qum al-layl illa qalila. 
whole one who have wrapped thyself. And nobody knows what does it mean. <laughs> and some people say that Muhammad was in fever and he was, he had wrapped uh, uh, himself in a blanket. Yeah. So the revelation came that, <laughs> oh, though wrapped. And now this is Rumi's commentary on the same ah, verse. Yes, For this reason, God called the prophet Muzammil, one who wraps himself, saying, Come forth from the cloak, O thou that art fond of taking flight. Do not draw thy head unto the cloak, and do not cover thy face. For the world is a reeling body. Thou art the intelligence, the rational spirit. Hark, do not hide on account of the opprobrium of the adversary, since thou hast the resplendent candle of the revelation. Hark, stand up in prayer during the night. For thou art a candle, O prince, at night a candle stands up and burns. Without thy radiance, even the See, light... He is referring to the verse, Om al-Lai, mm. al means just rise up and stand mm. during the night. Mm. And Rumi says, light a candle, because a candle has to rise during the night, because <laughs> people need light. So, like a candle, just rise and stand upright. Yeah, stand forth. Yes. Without thy radiance, even the bright day is dark as night. It is actually very similar to the flight of, uh, uh, what is it, you know, Jonah. Jonah, yes. Jonah also escaped from that uh, great burden of uh, prophethood, mm. which was very heavy on him. Mm. And he was going to just... Uh, he ran away. Yeah, from he him. ran away. Yeah. And then he went to the... In, into the... The belly of the... the belly of the... The, the whale or the great uh, fish. fish whatever, yes. you know. So, actually, most uh, prophets, almost all prophets, in the beginning, they are afraid of a starting how they can deal with it, how, what people would sure. say. So, Ya Ayyuhal Muzzamel, the revelation is coming that, well, don't be afraid, just come yeah. out. Mm. Come out of your wrappings and cloaks. Don't be shy. Yeah, don't be shy. <laughs> we will help you. <laughs> we'll give you confidence. Right. Without thy radiance, even the bright day is dark as night. Without thy protection, the lion is captive to the hare. Be the captain of the ship in this sea of spiritual purity, for thou art a second Noah, O Mustafa, O elect one. An expert guide endowed with understanding is needed for every road, especially in the road, the journeying on the water. Arise, look upon the waylaid caravan. Everywhere a ghoul has become a captain of the ship. Thou art the chizr of the time and the deliverer. Yes, you know this ghoul or ghoul, ghoul uh, is uh, supposed to be a giant who misguides or misleads people when he finds them in particularly outside home, in, in, the in, in the countryside or in, in the desert. The ghoulibiyabani. Ghoulibiyabani, yes. And we have the word ghoul. Ghoul is the person who is deceived by ghoul. Right? You have the word ghoul and ghoul. This is a little bit different in pronunciation. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Rumi wants to say that there are so many ghoul 
there are people who claim to be leaders of people and then they mislead them and take them or guide them to, to hell. Mm. Thou art the chesed of the time and the deliverer of every ship in distress. Do not, like Jesus, the Spirit of God, practice solitude. In the sight of this assembly, thou art as the candle of heaven. Leave off severing thyself from them and adopting seclusion. Tis not the time for seclusion. Come into the assembly, O thou who art as the Homai, while the guard, guidance is so... a legendary bird. That's right. It is auspicious and uh, um, whose shadow, if it falls on the head of a person, he becomes a king. That's right. It's yes. the royal bird, isn't yes, it? Yes, the royal bird. They yes. the, call the king Homayun. Yes, Homayun. Homayun actually means auspicious. Auspicious. Yeah. And you know, this reference to Jesus is actually to Christianity, because in Christianity there was a tendency towards seclusion. Mm, that's right. Which is not uh, recommended by Muhammad. Right. And uh, he says that it wasn't recommended by Jesus as well. That's right. But people just, uh, it was innovation of the right. churchmen and clergymen. Yes. That people should seclude. They should live in the world and enjoy the world. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't seclude. That's right. Tis not time for exclusion. Come into the assembly, O thou who art as the Hamai, while the guidance of souls is like Mount Goth. The full moon is moving by night on the upper part of the sky. It does not cease from its journey because of the outcry of the dogs. The scoffers keep making an outcry like dogs at thy full moon in the direction of thy high place. These dogs are deaf to the divine command, be ye silent from folly. They are bow-wowing at thy full moon. Yes, you know, this be ye silent is translation of the exact word of the Quran, ansetu, means ansetu. Means be silent and yes. listen. Yes. Uh -huh. It means, the, it has a double meaning. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean just keep quiet. It means keep quiet and listen. <laughs> Hark, O oh, thou who art the cure for the sick, do not on account of anger against the deaf let go the staff of the blind. Didst thou not say, he that leads a blind man on the right way gains a hundred recompenses and rewards from God? Whoever leads a blind man forty steps is pardoned and will find salvation. Do thou therefore lead away from this impermanent world the multitude of the blind, file on file. This is the business of a guide. Thou art the guide. Thou art the joy for dispelling the sorrow of the last period of time. Yes. You know, Rumi believes that a prophet is a joy coming to humanity. And the key to the Quran and to the true commentary of the Quran of all and other religious uh, scriptures, mm -hmm. other scriptures, is that uh, if it brings happiness and joy, then it is a true commentary. If it is a trouble, if it is a trouble, it creates pain and adds to human sorrow, so it is not from God. Mm -hmm. It is no good commentary. Yeah. No? Actually, uh, there is a funny story of... Uh, 
Holakuhan, the Mughal emperor, the yes. Mongol, yeah. The Mongol, yes. He had chosen as his minister Khaji Nasir Tusi, a very great scholar and philosopher and scientist as well. Khaji Nasir Tusi, he is well known. Yes. He is the best common. He has written the best commentary on the works of Avicenna. So he was the minister of the king. And then once it happened that they were uh, going on a journey and they came to Hamedan, a city in Tehran, and there was a big, hot public bath. And he had never been to the bath. So he went into the bath and then he washed himself and there were some people who came for massage and they did some services to him and then he enjoyed so much of that and when he came out uh, because he had converted to Islam he was a little bit worried that whether it was allowed in Islam or not he asked uh, Khaji Nasir well what is the name of this he said this is Istihmam this is just a message and he, it is common he said is it not against Islam said, no, it is okay. <laughs> and the king said, well, how, it is very strange. It is the first time that something is so good and enjoyable and it is allowed. <laughs> <laughs> so people have the impression that religion has come to stop you from all enjoyment and whatever is good. <laughs> so Rumi is uh, recommending and emphasizing the other way around. <laughs> right. Yes. The upside, not the yes, downside. That, uh, that the prophet is a, is a joy has come to the world to drive away sorrows, to drive away the shadows of the earth. Yes. Right. Commentary on the tradition that Mustafa Muhammad, on whom be peace, said, Do not declare me to be more excellent than Yunus ibn Mattah. Yes. The Prophet said, no preference is to be given to my ascension as being superior to the ascension of Jonah. You know, because uh, Muhammad, in his, according to a, uh, one of the chapters in the Quran, Surah Al-Asra, Asra, mm -hmm. uh, he has an ascension to heavens. Mm -hmm. So he uh, went upwards. But Jonah... He went downward into the sea and then into the belly of the fish. Mm. So Muhammad says, don't make me, put me superior to Jonah. He, I went up and he went down. Because uh, God is neither up nor down. <laughs> See, to get near to God, to approach God, is to get farther from the self. The farther from the self, the nearer to the God. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with this up and down. <laughs> Mine was up to heaven, and his was down below in the belly of the fish, because nighness unto God is beyond calculation. To be nigh unto God is not to go up or down. To be nigh unto God is to escape from the prison of existence. What room hath non-existence for up and down? Non-existence hath no soon or far or late. The laboratory and treasure of God is in non-existence. Thou art deluded by existence. How shouldst thou know what non-existence is? You know, uh, I mentioned that uh, by, by existence, the prison of existence, you see, means uh, 
equity with some limitation. This is actually something which exists, existent, an existent being, a being. Any particular being has a circle around it and is limited. So he is in a, in a prison. So he is in a prison. Uh, and man is the exception to all creations that he has no uh, circle around him. Man is beyond all circles. So he cannot be confined in, in any circle unless he himself confines himself in a circle. So if you want to get near to God, you have to get free from this prison of existence and do not be deceived by existing things, yeah. by, by beings, mm. because uh, they are just limitations and they are just uh, uh, an, an, a reflection or a shadow mm-hmm. of reality, That's right. of the reality. Mm-hmm. And non-existence means non-existence of limitation, not act- actually I mean, philosophical meaning of non-existence. Mm. It means non-existence of limitations, mm. which means absolute existence. Mm. So if you want to get to absolute existence, you have to set yourself free from limited existence of thyself. Don't confine the, uh, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So yeah. go on to the story of the Sufis being enamored of the empty food wallet? Uh, yes, yes, it's, it's in the continuation of the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> One day, a Sufi espied a food wallet. Oh, yes, out. no, sorry. Uh, we have a, um, a story before that, uh-huh, which right. is uh, the parable. A parable. We oh. finished this uh, one, didn't we? Oh, in here. Oh, oh okay. Oh, thank you. We finished the other one. Oh, it's okay. the parable. Oh, it starts here. Okay. Story of the young gazelle being confined in the donkey stable and how the donkey assailed the stranger, now with hostility and now with mockery, and how it was afflicted by having to eat dry straw, which is not its proper food. And this is a description of the chosen servant of God amongst worldlings and those addicted to passion and sensuality. For Islam was strange when it first appeared and will become strange again. And blessed are the strangers. The messenger of God spoke the truth. You see, here Rumi is giving a parable of the life of prophets on the earth. That uh, they are like a gazelle captured by a hunter Mm -hmm. and put prophets Mm -hmm. in dealing with people. A hunter captured a gazelle the merciless man put it into a stable. Acting like oppressors, he made a stable full of cows and donkeys, the prison of the gazelle. You see, this hunter is God's providence, God's its destiny, mm. which is cruel, seems to be cruel, mm-hmm. and doesn't care what you think. Gazol Gadar. Gazol Gadar, yes. Mm-hmm. This is the hunter, yes. The gazelle, wild with terror, was fleeing in every direction. At night, the hunter poured pieces of chopped straw before the donkeys. Moved by hunger and ravenous appetite, every cow and donkey was devouring straw as though it were sweeter than sugar. Now the gazelle would run in fright from side to side. Now it would turn its face away from the smoke and dust of the straw. During many days, the sweet-naveled male gazelle 
was in torment in the donkey stable, like a fish wriggling in the death agony from being kept on the dry ground, or like dung and musk tortured by being kept in the same box. One donkey would say to its neighbor, Ha! This wild fellow has the nature of kings and princes. Hush! And the other would mock, saying, By constant ebb and flow he has gained a pearl. How should he sell cheaply? And another... Yes, they're mocking him. And another donkey would say, With this fastidiousness of his, Let him recline on the imperial throne. Yes, and you keep off that kibar in Nazuki. It's a very good translation of Nicholson. آن یکی گفتش که با این نازکی بر سریر شاه روشو متکی Go and recline the king's throne <laughs> What is what's, what's the matter? Yeah. Uh, you are disdainful and just uh, rejecting everything and you don't want to eat with us <laughs> A certain donkey became ill with indigestion and was unable to eat Therefore he gave the gazelle a formal invitation to dine The gazelle shook his head as though to say, Nay, begone, oh, such and such. I have no appetite. I'm unwell. The donkey replied, I know that you are showing disdain or holding aloof in regard to your reputation. Regard to your reputation. The gazelle said to himself, That which you offer me is your food, whereby your limbs are revived and renewed. I have been familiar... No, that's the theory that uh, our body is in contact continual renew- renovation. Mm. See, they had the idea that we are constantly, until after a time, we are completely new and nothing of the old matter is remained in us. Oh. Yes. Mm. Like, mm. Mm. I have been familiar with a beauteous pasture. I have reposed among rivulets of clear water and meadows. If destiny has cast me into torment, yet how... Is it destiny? Yet how should that goodly disposition in nature depart from me? If I have become a beggar, Then how should I have the face of impudence and greed of a beggar? And if my bodily raiment become old, yet I am spiritually new. I have eaten hyacinth and anemone and sweet basil, too, with a thousand disdains and disgusts. The donkey said, Yes, boast and boast and boast away. In a strange country, one can utter many an idle brag. <laughs> The gazelle replied, Truly, my navel, my muskland, bears me witness. It confers a, confers a great favor on aloes wood and ambergris. And who will hearken to perceive that? Only he that hath the spiritual sense of smell. Tis taboo for the donkey addicted to dung. The donkey smells donkey's urine on the road. How should I offer musk to creatures of this class? Hence the prophet was always responsive to the divine command, spoke the parable, Islam is a stranger in this world. See, there is a reference to a tradition, Al-Islam Qari, means Islam is a stranger, and a Muslim is a stranger. So, 
It, it means many things. That uh, who is a Muslim? A Muslim is where is to be is to be found. He is to be found nowhere. He is mm. a lover, a true lover. According to Rumi, a true Muslim is a true lover, mm. and a true Christian is a true lover. He makes no differentiation mm. because he says that uh, if you know Jesus and Moses and Muhammad, you know the same person. So they have all called you to God. Mm. And uh, their book is just an invitation from God that, oh, my, my, my creatures, oh, my servants, oh, human beings, mm -hmm. come to me. Ta'alu. Uh, this is the word, the key word of Rumi. Come. Come, come to me. This is the beginning of a chapter. And Rumi emphasizes on this ta'alu that he is calling us and the heart of religion and the main message of all religions that you should come back to me. Mm. So, uh, such people who are in love with their mm. creator and uh, they have that uh, noble temptation mm. of finding their creation, creator, they are very strange in this world. Mm. So he says that Al-Islam Karim, mm. like a gazelle, mm -hmm. a true lover. Yes, that Alu's in the, when it says, come uh, to the people of the book, isn't it? That uh, the Quran calls everybody who believes yes, in the one yes. thing in common. Yeah, which is yes, actually there is a verse in the Quran that uh, no matter what religion you have, mm. whether you are a Muslim or a Christian or a Jew mm. or whatever, you are, or a Sabian, mm. uh, there are three things which are, uh, which bring salvation to you. And that is belief in God, mm. belief in the day of judgment, that there is a judgment, and then acting accordingly, mm. acting virtuously. So, uh, it's expressly uh, mentioned in the Quran that if you follow these three things, there is no fear for you mm -hmm. and there is no sorrow for you. Yes. Because even the true Muslim's kinsfolk are fleeing from him, though the angels are in harmony with his essence. The story of the ducklings? Well, the next story is also a parable about the life of man. How is it that man was born here in this, on this earth and he is material, corporeal, he has the body but he has a certain yearning within his heart mm -hmm. to go back to the sea. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a parable about that. The story of the ducklings which were fostered by a domestic fowl. Thou art the offspring of a duck though a domestic fowl has nursed thee beneath her wing. Thy mother was the duck of this, that sea. Thy nurse was of the earth and devoted to the dry land. The desire which is in the heart for the sea, thy soul hath that nature, instinct from thy mother. The desire thou hast for the dry land is from this nurse. Leave the nurse, for she is an evil counselor. Leave the nurse on the dry land and press on. Come into the sea of spiritual reality like the ducks. 
Even if thy mother should bid thee be afraid of the water, fear not thou, but push speedily into the sea. Thou art a duck, thou art one that lives both on dry and wet. Thou art not one like the domestic fowl whose house is stinking. Thou art a king in virtue of the text. We have ennobled the sons of Adam. He is referring to a verse in the Quran that uh, we have been really magnanimous towards man particularly and have given him special favors. And we have created some creatures on the land and some on the sea. Sea means the spiritual world. Actually, the sea is a symbol of the spiritual world, both in, in Western culture as well as in Eastern. Hmm. Rumi, in his uh, sonnets, in his lyrics, he says, Mazudaryoyim daryomirabim. We have come from the sea and we will go back to the sea. You know, there is a famous poem by Tennyson, Alfred Lord Tennyson, uh, Crossing the Bar. Yes. Crossing the Bar, which is near the sea, bar, sandbars. Yes. So he says that when I cross the bar, I shall see my captain face to face. I'm sure that when I cross the bar, there will be no moaning when I cross the bar. Because usually there is a moaning. Yes. Uh, there is some sound and uh, some vociferous. But uh, he says that may there be no moaning when I cross the bar because I have come. I just like a wave. I came here and then I'll come back mm. to the sea. No. So the duck, uh, although he was uh, nursed and uh, uh, nourished by the hen, which is a land bird, mm. he goes back to the sea. And uh, he is referring to this is the noble, this is the translation here mm -hmm. given in italic that um, we've ennobled the sons of Adam. Yes, ennobled the sons of Adam. Where is it? Oh, right here. It's, oh, it must be here. Oh, it's here. Oh. Yes, yes, yes noble. The sons of Adam. Uh, mm. And we carried them both on land and as well as on sea. So Rumi says, Thou art a king because of this verse. Mm -hmm. Thou art a king because God has made you a king. Mm -hmm. Because uh, so you are free to go to the land, mm -hmm. I mean to the secret, to the material world, and you are free to go to the spiritual world. You are not limited to any of them, like animals who are in the prison of matter and the angels who are in the prison of the spirit. Yes. So towards the Karam Nabani Adam Shaitabhoshki Hambedarya Panali. Yes. Thou settest foot both on dry land and on the sea, for in spirit thou art what is signified by the text, we have conveyed them on the sea. Push forward then from the state implied in the words, we have conveyed them on the land. The angels have no access to the land. The animal kind again are ignorant of the sea. You know, according to another tradition uh, by Muhammad, which Rumi has versified, in Masnavi, 
he says that God created three kinds, three categories of beings. One was the angel, the angels, the animal, and man. So God gave them all virtue and all the spiritual qualities, and these ones all passion and sensuality, and made the man a mixture of both. So that's the plight of man, that he has been created have to rise and have to fall. <laughs> so, uh, they are on the land, they are on the sea, the sea of the spirituality. And man can uh, travel in both realms. Yes. He that sows the seed of thistles in the world, be warned not to look for him in the rose garden. If he take a rose in his hand, it becomes a thistle. And if he go to a friend, the friend becomes a snake. The damned wretch is an elixir which transmutes into poison and snakes. His elixir is contrary to the elixir of the God-fearing man. Yes, you know, uh, this is one of the main themes of all religious books. The most important theme, actually. That is what people can hardly believe. Mm. Uh, that uh, if A, then B. If you do this, then you have to encounter, you will surely encounter the consequences. There is a saying in English that you can easily shirk your responsibility, but you can never shirk the consequences of shirking your responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you sow thistles, they cannot find you in the garden, in the rose garden. Now, so a person who sows thistles and thorns, mm. even if he has a flower in his hand, mm. it would turn into a thistle because mm. he is the, the creator of thistle. That's right. He changes his alchemy, his mm. devilish alchemy, his cursed alchemy, changes everything to thistle and thorns, mm -hmm. even if it is a flower of love and everything. Yeah. So as you sow, so shall you reap, and if you don't sow, you, you still reap what you don't sow. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is, uh, that is also, uh, it is uh, actually mentioned in Masnav, in, in Thihamafi, in the Discourses of Rumi, yeah. that if you don't sow anything... <laughs> You'll still reap. <laughs> yes, if you don't sow anything, you will sow, you will reap nothing. <laughs> well, yes, you will reap, yeah. Yeah. but you have not sown. That's right, nothing. yes, that's right. <laughs> And Rumi puts highest emphasis on uh, service to humanity and uh, he believes that heaven, heaven and hell are created by man. And according to a verse in the Quran, there are four streams in the Quran running under the trees. <laughs> so one of them is a stream of wine, of water, therefore, of water, one is a wine, 
one is of milk and one is uh, of uh, honey. Okay. Of honey or nectar. So Rumi says these four streams should be running in your spirit, in the garden of your spirit. It is your, your behavior, it is your outlook, it is uh, in your nature. Mm. And uh, so if these are, this is uh, purity, this is intoxication and ecstasy, and this is knowledge. Milk is a symbol of knowledge, of a spiritual knowledge. Mm. And honey is uh, the joy of life and the sweetness. Mm. So this is the joy, this is the intoxication, this is the knowledge, and this is the purity. So they should be in you. And uh, if there are such extremes in you, then you are creator of your own heaven. And wherever you go, even if uh, there is a tradition that uh, in the next world, uh, some of the good people uh, were being led by angels to heaven. The angels frightened them and said, well, we are, going, we are going to pass through the hell, of course. You will go to paradise, but we have to go to pass through the hell. And they were afraid of that. But everywhere they were going on the way, it was uh, rose gardens and beautiful meadows and uh, fresh air and everything was good. And then until they came to paradise. And then they said, why did you uh, tell us lies that you frightened us? They said, yes, those places we were passing, they were all hell. Mm. But because of you, mm. they were turned into paradise. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't see anything of the hell there. <laughs> so, and uh, the most important, the most important is service to mankind. If you are helpful, mm. is uh, the most uh, uh, important uh, factor in creating the heaven. And uh, hurting people is uh, actually, Rumi says, these words of yours which are biting like a snake, biting and baneful like a snake and scorpion. In These words of yours which are baneful and biting, they would turn in the next world they would turn into snakes and scorpions and they would sting you. Yeah. So, there is a funny story in uh, Mabalat Shams, the master of Rumi, that somebody was passing and happened to see uh, a great uh, uh, clergyman, I mean a Muslim theologian and jurisprudent, mm -hmm. who is highly respected the jurisprudence Mm -hmm. uh, mm. and then uh, he asked him are you a Jew? you know it was very very insultful to call uh, such a person who was, in, who was dressed like a great uh, jurisprudence to call him a Jew in the Muslim world in those times mm. you see so he was very surprised and said no I am not a Jew I am a, I am a clergyman I am a divine person. <laughs> a divine, I am, yes. yes, I am a jurisprudent. I am a leader, a religious leader. How do you say that? He said, well, you are not a Jew. I wish you were a Jew. Huh? 
He said, why? He said, because Jews have matches with them. And now I'm in, in need of matches. <laughs> so, if you were a Jew, I wish you were a Jew. So you will be helpful to me just as much as a piece of, just a, a bit of... Uh, uh, Offering me a match. Yes. Oh, give me a light. Suffer, yes. Give me a light. <laughs> so, the worth of people is in, in proportion is. to what service they are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Story of the Sufis having being enamored of the empty food wallet. Yes, and now we can read that. One day a Sufi espied a food wallet hanging on a nail. He began to whirl and rend his garments, crying, Lo, the food of the foodless! Lo, the remedy for famines and pangs of hunger! When his smoke and tumult of his ecstasy waxed great, everyone that was a Sufi joined him and imitated his behavior. Yes, they, other Sufis came around and they didn't know why he was dancing, but anyway, they saw that he was dancing and it was good, so they started dancing all together. When his smoke... They were shouting and shrieking, several were becoming intoxicated and beside themselves. An idle busybody... What several... Uh, several were becoming, it doesn't mean several actually. Taki Chandi means for a time. Not for a time. Several Chandi means not uh, some of them, mm. but all of them for a time. For a time they were beside themselves with joy. Uh, an idle busybody said to the Sufi, What is the matter? Only a food wallet hung on a nail and it's empty of bread. The Sufi said, Be gone, be gone, thou art a mere form without spirit. Do not seek existence, not non-existence. Do thou seek existence, not non-existence? For thou art no lover. The lover's food is love of the bread. Without the existence of the bread, no one that is sincere yes, in his love, love of is the in bread is what the Sufi wants. The love of the bread. It doesn't need any bread. Ah, yes. just the love of it. Yes. Is enthralled to his existence. Lovers have not to do with existence. Lovers have the interest without having the capital. They have no wings, and yet they fly around the world. They have no hands, and yet they carry off the ball from the polo field. Yes. They have no coins, and they can coin hundreds of coins, yes. Indeed, they yes. They can certainly coin hundreds of expressions. <laughs> yes. Hundreds of expressions like Rumi. He has coined so many thousands of beautiful expressions right. without having a coin. Without having a coin to his name, yeah. A certain lo lover, in the presence of his beloved, was recounting his services and works, saying, For thy sake I did such and such. In this war I suffered wounds from arrows and spears. Wealth is gone, and strength is gone, and fame is gone. On account of my love for thee, many a misfortune has befallen me. No dawn found me asleep or laughing. No Eve found me with capital and means. What he had tasted of bitters and dregs, he was recounting to her in detail, point by point. Not for the sake of reproach, nay, he was displaying a hundred testimonies of the trueness of his love. The beloved said, Thou hast done all this, yet open thine ear wide and apprehend well, for thou hast not done what is the root of the root of love and fealty, 
This that thou hast done is only the branches. The lover said to her, Tell me, what is that root? She said, The root thereof is to die and be not. Thou hast done all else, but thou hast not died. Thou art living. Hark, die, if thou art a self-sacrificing friend. Instantly he laid himself at full length on the ground and gave up the ghost. Like the rose, he played away his head, laughing and rejoicing. Yes, and Rumi adds that this laughing was a perpetual laughing. That laughing never left his lips mm. again. Because these laughings are just accidental, they come and go. The moment, one moment you are laughing, the other moment you are weeping. But there is a laughing which is eternal um, laughing. And Rumi says that after the, this line, I have not wrote it here, uh, that uh, this laughing remained for him forever. So this, there are many references in Rumi's uh, works to this dying, which means the death of the self, mm. not, not actual death, but means the death of this uh, um, limited mm -hmm. uh, self which claims to be me mm -hmm. and it is not me. Actually, Shamsa Tabrizi, the master of Rumi, mm -hmm. for a time, he was... He was uh, speaking in a harsh way to Rumi and mm -hmm. hurt him. Mm -hmm. And then he's explaining that if I was hurting you, I wasn't hurting you. Mm. There was somebody who is claiming to be you. <laughs> that was why I was hurting him. <laughs> so now you are here, you are this one. You are this one who is full of love and full of uh, humility. And the other one was, who was full of pride and uh, disdainfulness. Mm. It wasn't you. So that was why, it was your enemy, that was why I was harsh to him. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I love you so much, he is calling to Rumi, I love you so much that even, even if I kiss your, your feet, I'm afraid that my eyelashes would hurt you. Uh, so I think that we have... Uh, so one more story? Uh, do we have time? We or have time, yes. We can leave some time for questions or... Um, there is, uh, have you all brought uh, the, uh, uh, I mean, last week's uh, polycopy, because we left the this one, sure. this one which was given in Persian in two languages. Mm -hmm. You don't have it. Yes, because I wanted to read this part which was in both languages. Okay, we so we can go on with this last part, yes, person. and then two, two questions. How the thirsty man, yes. Threw bricks from the top of the wall into the stream of water. On the bank of the stream there was a high wall, and on the top of the wall a sorrowful, thirsty man. The wall hindered him from reaching the water. He was in distress for the water, like a fish. Suddenly he threw a brick into the water. The noise of the water came to his ear like spoken words. Like words spoken by a sweet and delicious friend. The noise of the water made him drunken, as though you see, it were wine. this wall is a symbol of body. Mm. Wall, in many uh, literary texts, is a symbol of body. Even in Arabic literature, al-walaw karahu 
If you throw a person in the shadow, if you put a person who is dying in the shadow of the wall, mm. on that wall there is a vine, there is a vine. So he would be healed mm. and cured of his disease. So uh, the interpreters and I mean in commentaries about this line by Ibn uh, al-Fariz al-Misri, they say that wool is the body of the shape of the master. Mm. So this wool has separated us from water, which is the source of life. This is the stream of water, and we are here. What shall we do? We have to become, to make it less and less and less and less, one by one. So this man starts plucking the bricks one by one and throw them into the water. And it means that gradually, little by little, you have to make your secular attachment less and less and throw it into this water and then this, the echo would bring happiness to you that you are going the right way. So until it comes to an end, and then you come to the stream. And uh, Rumi is uh, giving actually a commentary on vast uh, good in the Quran. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, vast good means uh, prostrate yourself to God, and then vaktari. Taraba means get near. Prostrate yourself to God in your prayer, and then get near to God. So when you want to prostrate means you have to come down and put your head on the ground. Actually in Muslim prayer, when we put our forehead on the ground, it means that we are we have come down from this wall. Symbolically. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes? Let's see. From the pleasure of hearing the noise of the water, that sorely tried man began to hurl and tear off bricks from that place. The water was making a noise, that is to say, it was crying. Hey, what is the advantage to you of this hurling a brick at me? The thirsty man said, Oh, water, I have two advantages. I will nowise refrain from this work. The first advantage is my hearing the noise of the water which to thirsty men is melodious as a rebeck. Yes. You know, every good deed you do, there is an echo, there's a feedback. You feel that you have done something, and you enjoy by hearing the noise of that water. The, no the noise thereof has become to me like the noise of the trumpet of Israfil. Yes, which brings life. Israfil is the, the angel who blows in the trumpet the resurrection. And, yeah, in Resurrection's Day and all come to life again. Yes. Actually, Rumi compares music to Surah Israfil. Mm. He says that music can bring you to life. Mm. Yes. Good music, yes. Yeah. By this noise of life has been transferred and restored to one that was dead. By this blowing of the trumpet, life has been restored to one that was dead? Or is it like the noise of thunder in days of spring? From the thunder the garden obtained so many lovely ornaments. 
or like the days of alms to a poor man, or like the message of deliverance to a prisoner. You see, it's again like the story of Zulaikha who was using different names. Rumi is using different mm-hmm. names mm-hmm. and compare giving different images, but all mean the same. Mm-hmm. The sound of the water, yes. It is like the breath of the merciful, which without mouth comes to Muhammad from Yemen. What is the scent of Ahmed? Merciful means Rahman, which means God. Well, that was referring to referring, Obeys when yes, he said, Obeys, I, yes. I sent the, yes. the merciful. Or it is the, like the scent of Ahmed, the apostle of God, which in intercession comes to the sinner. Or like the scent of Butchus, graceful Joseph, which strikes upon the soul of lean Jacob. The other advantage is that with every brick I tear off this wall, I come nearer to running water. Since by diminution of the bricks, the high wall becomes lower every time that one is removed. The lowness, the destruction of the wall, becomes a means of access to the water. Separation from it is the remedy bringing about a union with the water. The tearing away of the adhesive of the bricks is analogous to prostration in prayer. It is the cause of nearness to God, for God has said, and prostrate thyself and draw near to me. Yes, this last line is a verse in the Quran. You know, this wall has a hundred other names in Persian literature. Sometimes they call it a shirt. This is, this is uh, something which, is, which has separated us from union with God. Mm. So sometimes they call it a wall. Sometimes they call it a shirt. Uh, as, e, um, Sorry, shirt. A shirt or a shirt? Uh, a shirt, yes. Just a shirt, a dress. Mm-hmm. Your garment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes garment. Mm-hmm. Why? Because when you want to make joy, you have to get denuded. denuded. You, have, you have to be naked. Mm-hmm. So this garment or body is uh, to be... Uh, is to go away. Man shodam orion zetan. This is one of the lines of Rumi referring to his death, actually. Man shodam orion zetan u az khiyal mi kharaman dar nahayatul besad. Means I was naked, I'm now naked of my garment or body, and he is naked of all shadows. He is no longer deceiving me with his shadows. Now we are united together. So this world has a variety of names. Sometimes it's called the bees, uh, the rosary, mm. rosary, which means tasbih. Of course, Rumi, when he is criticizing the formalism of and rituals in the religion, it doesn't mean that he doesn't believe in them and he is not recommending them, but he actually believes in the law and in the rituals. But he believes that these rituals have certain meanings. If they are lost, if they lose all their meaning, then they serve nothing. Mm. Thank you. Uh, Well, does anyone have any questions? (laughs) Yes. I'd just like to ask you one thing. Yes. Um, this story of the gazelle and the donkey, just if you comment on it, there's, 
in our culture we have this existentialist doctrine of alienation, man being in a state of alienation. And just would you comment on, obviously this state of the gazelle here is the soul in alienation from God. And you have certain philosophers who've come up with the doctrine of man being alienated from his, from being sort, Camus, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah. And this is obviously yes. a perversion of this originally yes. exclusively spiritual doctrine. Yes, you are right that uh, Rumi has, beside this story, has many, many references to this alienation of man. And that is actually uh, the main plight of man, existential plight of man. And, uh, uh, you know, the main problem of humanity is that he doesn't know himself. He first has to come to know himself. And he has been alienated. He has put someone else in his own place. And even the donkeys in this story uh, are not really donkeys. They are the gazelle. But they have just forgotten about their being a gazelle. They have forgotten about their real food. They think that this is their food which is cow and which is uh, straw. So someone has to come to remind them that thou art not a donkey, thou art not a cow, thou art a gazelle. I have come to tell you, thou art like me. Just come out of this uh, garment of asinity. Asininity. Asininity, yes. And then you will see that you are a gazelle yourself. So, man has been alienated because when he looks at himself in the mirror, he sees a donkey. He sees someone else. He doesn't see the gazelle. And that is why the prophet, the name of the prophet is a reminder in the Quran. And the name of the Quran is the reminder. He says, mm-hmm. which means remembrance, mm-hmm. or recollection, mm-hmm. or reminding. It means that you have forgotten something. The forgotten language by Eric Fromm. We, we knew a language which we have forgotten mm-hmm. in the course of time. So, a prophet is a reminder, and the scriptures are a reminder of the covenant we have uh, contracted with our Lord, mm-hmm. which is God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Muzakir means the reminder is the name of the prophet, and Zik, reminding, mm-hmm. Zik means reminding and remembrance, is the name of the Quran. And Muzakir means reminder is the name of the Prophet. To save people from this alien, alienation. Mm-hmm. Apropos of that, the other question is, yes. you have this story about the inner levels of meaning of the Quran. Yes. Now I know in your confrontation with various so-called thinkers yes. in modern day Iran and abroad, you often have the same criticism. Well, this Quran, I mean, I've often hear, hear 
contemporary Iranians say, well, what is this Quran? The Divan of Hafez is much better than the Quran. So, yes. I mean, it's what would you say about these different levels of meaning? They seem to be ignored in modern-day criticism of Islam. Well, yes, you know, first of all, if the intellectuals believe in Rumi and believe in Hafez, they should necessarily believe in Muhammad because they all pay highest tribute to his superiority, particularly Rumi, who is considered by all intellectuals as the greatest uh, thinker and poet as well. Mm -hmm. They consider him to be uh, the greatest, even modern poet. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I have to say here that uh, a good deal of the discourses of Rumi in prose are actually uh, modern poetry. They are the founder of modern poetry, which has no rhyme, no rhythm, but it is poetry. If we translate many pieces, you will see that uh, they are just like the poetry of uh, Walt Whitman, without rhyme, without rhythm, but it is filled with the spirit of poetry, yeah. with the es essence of poetry. Mm -hmm. So, Rumi, uh, as well as Hafez and Sadi and all great poets, they have all paid highest tribute and highest praise, like Nizami, for example, to Muhammad and to the Quran. And it is not just uh, because of their religious uh, uh, prejudice. It is because out, it is uh, out of their own devotion and belief in the book. Because it is actually anyone who gets acquainted with the text itself uh, will see that it is a masterpiece of art. It is not time here to, that I explain just a few words, but there is so much harmony and balance and symmetry and music. Uh, it, has, it has all the elements of, of, of an orchestra, all the elements of a symphony, because it has the rhythm, it has the harmony, it has balance, it has the melody, and even beside the meaning, of course, the meaning is crystallization, mm -hmm. I mean, the form is crystallization of meaning. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the echo, as uh, Alexander Pope says, it's the echo of the sense. The sound is the echo of the sense. So the Quran, since it is uh, full of beauty in meaning, mm. so it is. It has been crystallized in such beautiful form. Mm. So they have been touched by this beauty, and uh, they have been inspired by the beauty of the Quran. Mm. And they all give the credit to the Quran rather than to themselves. Yes. And for example, Sadi or even Rumi, he says, "Buya in nasim as he is referring to Muhammad, mm -hmm. that all the perfume of my poetry is coming from the tresses of Muhammad. As Shekhani Zulfu'us, Shakshaiya in Khiyar Zanrukhachon Vazduhas, and all the light in my poetry comes from the radiant face of Muhammad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, the intellectuals cannot uh, claim that uh, people like Hafiz or Rumi are greater than Muhammad and their work are better than the Quran. Mm. Uh, 
But uh, you know, if they have special uh, grudges against the Quran, I think it is uh, to some extent it is because they have been uh, misinformed about the Quran and uh, what they have witnessed in the behavior of those people who claim to be the follower of Muhammad. And they are doing the sometimes the worst of deeds, mm -hmm. so they have lost their belief mm -hmm. in the book. Mm -hmm. Rather they should lose their belief in the people yes, right. to claim because Islam is a stranger. That's right. And a true Muslim is a stranger even among the Muslims. Mm -hmm. No one knows him. That's right. Question. Yes. Uh, I, I you talked about three pillars, the pillar of belief, the pillar of good behavior, and the pillar of the belief in government. Yes. Uh, I see the good behavior and I see the adherence to faith. I don't see any mention here of belief in judgment. Yes. Is there really elsewhere talk about belief in government? Well, uh, excuse me, Dr. Aloha, yes. I think it... It was misunderstood. It's belief in the day of judgment. In other words, the day of resurrection. It's a belief in resurrection. That's it. From these, uh, you mean? Uh, yes, of course. Of course, we did not uh, emphasize and we did not uh, abide by this part long enough to explain. But excuse me, Dr. Law, I'm sorry if you don't yes. mind my answering this, because yes. I think it arises from a misunderstanding. 